0: At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. For many years, many have asked the question, what if God was one of us? Through the incarnation of Jesus, God answered that question, and Jesus became one of us. Every year for centuries, Christians have celebrated the miracle of Jesus' birth. This Christmas season, we're diving into a new series, Emmanuel, God with us. Learning how the arrival of Jesus Christ changes everything. He came to save us, a broken and crooked world, a fallen people. Join us this Christmas as we explore the miracle of Jesus' incarnation and the impact it still has on us. Christmas
1: Eve, we are excited to celebrate the birth of Jesus together. And when you think of that nativity scene, you're thinking of that baby in the manger. You're thinking of meek, mild, humble, but humble is a word we struggle with, isn't it? Because I think for a lot of us, what we do is we see humility, and we know humility is something we should try to pursue, but it's almost like the moment you think you have it, you're like, yes, I nailed it. Now I'm humble. I am so good at humility now. Like, I'm amazing at humility. You just lost humility, right? You had it, and then you lost it, and so it seems so elusive. It's like one of those things that we want to get our hands around it, but we struggle getting our hands around it. But we know we're supposed to have it, but we struggle with trying to get a hold of it. Wouldn't it be great if Christmas could point us to the human embodiment of perfect humility? That'd be so good, right? Take your Bibles. Open up to Philippians 2. Philippians 2. As you're turning to Philippians 2, John starts his gospel in this way. John says, in the beginning was the word, And the word was with God, and the word was God. This is week three of our sermon series called Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jesus literally came as God to be with us. One of the key passages on who Jesus is and what he's done is found in Philippians 2, verses three through eight. So here's what's going on. Paul is in jail. he's, He's imprisoned at this point, and he's writing this letter to this church in Philippi. And he's writing to encourage them. In fact, if there is a theme of Philippians, it is the theme of joy, just an overflow of joy. And so he's writing this letter of joy. And if you're like, well, then what's really the purpose? You see the purpose in chapter four. In chapter four, we find out that there's a conflict between two individuals that could create division, that could create a broken unity within the church. And so Paul is writing in a way that says, I want to drive you to this place of unity, of of understanding. In fact, it's going to be filtered through the focus of Jesus coming as a human. In other words, Paul says, you want to know how to get through those stressors in your life. You want to know, whatever it is that you're facing right now, there's medical stuff some of y'all are facing, there's financial stuff, there's relational stuff, there's just scheduled stuff with the tensions of this week. And if you're like, what am I supposed to do about all this? How am I supposed to deal with it? Paul would say, Christmas. Christmas is the answer. Not December 25th, Christmas, but Jesus coming, Emmanuel, God with us is the answer. And that brings us to our big idea. The big idea is that we follow Jesus's humble example. We follow Jesus's humble example. And it's real easy at that point to go like, man, I love that, I wanna follow Jesus, but I just told you, I've tried my whole life to chase after this humility thing and it always seems just out of grasp. Like, so how am I supposed to pursue this humility of Christ? What does that look like? That's exactly what we're gonna be dialed into today. As we first see that you have to consider your position. Look at verse 3. Paul says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to your own interest, but also the interest of others. And so Paul says, we have to follow this example of Christ, which is challenging. He's writing to people who have a Roman mindset with the world. Think about the picture that you have, even if you're not a history person of ancient Rome. Even if you're not a history person, you're like, yeah, the chariots, the statues, the Colosseum, the soldiers, the all roads lead to Rome. Everything is about me. That's how we do it too. It's about me, which increased division. It's me versus you. It's us versus them. It's this ladder that I climb, but the higher I climb, the more separation there is. And that is not the body life that is talked about in Scripture. And so Paul says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. In other words, candy canes. Candy canes. We start everything out thinking it's about us. We start out thinking it's about me and mine and those who are close to me and those I care about. As we continue to grow in our faith, what we should see is it is about so much more than me. It is about so much more than me. So he says in humility in verse 3, count others more significant than yourselves. In humility, count others more significant. Come on now, you heard that, right? Here's the thing, I've been doing this for a little bit now at Woodside Romeo, and I've been looking at your faces for a few years, and there's some new faces, and there's some faces that have been here for a long time, and I think sometimes when we've been hearing the same passages for a long time, we almost grow too accustomed to it, too familiar, because this is shocking. This is so counterculture here. Not only today, it would have been extremely counterculture in the first century as well. He said, Count others more significant than yourselves, which means give up your freedom. It means serve under someone else. It means you might have to come in with a lowly posture. You're going to have to count others more significant than yourselves. We don't reward that in our society. Let me be lowly, let me be a servant. Let me be the one that lets everyone else come in first. That is not what we tend to celebrate as a culture. And yet, that's what it is to follow Christ. That's the example. And then we end up saying, all right, well, Paul, how am I supposed to do this? How am I supposed to count others more significant than myself? That's where verse 4 comes into play. Let each of you look not only to your own interest but also the interest of others. This week, I want you to know what an encouragement you have been this week. You see, you post on social media with your group getting together to go Christmas caroling to encourage family members. I've watched as you take your white envelopes, your red envelopes for last week. If you missed last week, we ended the whole service by giving out white envelopes and red envelopes. The white envelope said, go and do an act of service for someone outside of your four walls. This is about serving someone else. The red envelopes involve cost as well the emails, the phone calls, the face-to-face conversations, the posts on social media saying, oh my goodness, here's what the Lord did with that. I just want you to know what an encouragement that was because it's living out this humility of Christ. It's living out what it is to place others above ourselves, but it's not just your position, it's your mindset. You gotta consider your mindset. I look at verse five, talk about challenging. He says, "Had this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Have the mind of Christ. There you go, that's all you have to do. You want humility, which seems so elusive? Great, have the mind of Christ. Now, there's a lot of conversations in our culture today about what's going on with our culture, what's wrong with it. There's a famous pastor named Tim Keller who passed away in May of this year. And uh, Tim talks about this issue in one of his books. And what he says is there's a lot of people in our culture that would say the problem is we don't think highly enough of ourselves. In other words, we have a lot of negative speak to our own hearts. We talk, we talk down about ourselves oftentimes. That's what the problem is. And he points out that in previous generations, that, that wasn't the posture. In fact, what we would say is the problem would be if you think too highly of yourself. You should think more lowly of yourself. And, and Tim's, Tim's statement is it's, it's neither one of those. It's not really about thinking too highly or too lowly of yourself. It's just thinking about yourself less. Let me say that again because that was fast. Let me say it again. It's not puffing yourself up like a bullfrog, getting so full of pride that you're thinking too highly of yourself. He says it's not that. And it's not, you know, negative speak and cutting yourself down and thinking too lowly of yourself. It's neither one of those. It's just think about yourself less. That's what it is to have the mind of Christ the one who came and lived and died and lived again, who lived with a perfect humility. Ephesians 4 says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. That's what it takes to have the mind of Christ. You see, I think sometimes we overcomplicate this, but it's not really that complicated when it comes to the mind of Christ thing, is it? It's, it's not that complicated at all. You ever spent so much time around someone that, I mean, like, a lot of time with someone to where it's almost like the two of you, your ty- maybe it was your roommate in college or, or just your best friend in school, whatever, but, like, you're, you were close, so close that you could look at that person, and they'd look at you, and before you could even speak, they would just look at you, and they'd go, I know, you know but I didn't say it yet, no, 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 no I, I, but, I, but I know, I know, me too, you're like, how did you know what I was going to say? And then sometimes it's the reverse, right? They start to speak, and you're like, shh, shh, "Shh, I, I know, I already know, I know," and you can just nod, like, "Yeah, I got gotcha. you." Or then you start to say the same things. Like even when you're separated, your friends will comment on, it like, "Like it's weird, you guys, you guys just start to talk alike, and it's almost, it's, it's weird how you parrot each other." You, you've had that, right? Here's the thing: that's how it should be with Christ. That's why we come together every single Sunday and join our voices together in song. That's why we speak of the truths of who Christ is together. We sing of the glories of what he has done, what he's doing, and what he will continue to do. We do that together. That's why we do that. That's why you get in your prayer closet later, All right. So we join together on Sunday mornings, and we worship together, and then on Monday, you go and you get in your prayer closet, and you shut the door, and you pray to your Father who's unseen. And you remember what Jesus said? Jesus said, before you even ask, what's up, the Father already knows, doesn't he? He already knows the desires of your heart. Before, and yet we get to ask anyway. We get to say it anyway. Even though he already knows, he already knows what you're going to say. He's like, I, I spent time with you. I know. Like I got you. I, I know. But here's the beauty. Stay there for a little bit. Stay in that closet for just a little bit. Just so you don't need to run off to number next yet. Just sit still. Open up his word. Read what His word says, because there comes a point that you'll say something to the Lord like, hey, I've, I've got these family members coming, Lord, and I'm a little, and he goes, I, you're anxious, I know. Yeah, that's weird that you knew that, but yeah, I am. I'm a little anxious, or I've got to go over to their house. And you know, sometimes, I, Lord, I have, he goes, I know, control problems. Yeah, I got you. And you're like, yeah, I do. No, I really do. I do kind of have control problems, don't I? And so I gotta go over there, but I'm not gonna be in control because I'm gonna be at someone else's house. And I like, it's not my stuff and it's not my place. It's not my space. And they, they, they talk in a way that's different. And they value things that are different. And it's just, you know, the way that, and the Lord's like, I know there's conflict and there's hurt, I, I know. And like, yeah, but Lord, I don't know if I should forgive them. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, but how many times am I, you're supposed to forgive them. Yeah, I know. Just stay there. Because there comes that point that you're like, Lord, I hate that because I already knew what you were going to say. And he's like, how did you know? And you said, because I spent time with you. You want to have the mind of Christ? Spend time with him. Come together with brothers and sisters. Remind ourselves together in this place of who he is and who he's called us to be. We belong to him. The final thing we're going to see as we consider our example, look at verse 6. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count... Equality with God, a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. You know, we have a lot of songs that we love to sing at Christmas. A lot of songs. We're not going to do this because it'd be chaotic. But in the first service, I had everybody, you know, one, two, three, say your favorite Christmas song. And so, it sounded like someone not 12, but over here is like, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. You know, and I'm like, that's a weird one. Like, that's, that's odd. So we're not going to play that game. That, they ruined it. They totally ruined it. But what no one has ever said is Philippians 2. Philippians 2, that's my favorite song. But here's what's fun. In your Bible, if you like to take notes, when it's uh, verses 6 through 11, you should write down hymn of Christ right there. Or if you've got a study Bible, it probably already tells you that. This is a hymn of Christ. In the original language, it's poetic, it's lyrical. This was thought to be an actual song right here. So you've got some song lyrics singing about who Jesus is. The verses 6 through 8 sing about the humility of Jesus that he lived with. You see in uh, verses 6, 7, and 8, it talks about the form. When it's talking about the form, that means that which characterizes a reality, so Jesus came in the form of what was essential to being God. But look at this next verse. I love it. It's so powerful, this phrase. It says, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself. That word grasp, it means to grab a hold of, to cling to, to take it. You see that? To, to be grasped, to, to take it. Well, it's what you would expect from a king. Because that's the example you had always seen from kings. Anything they wanted, they took it. They reached out, they grabbed a hold of it, and they took it because they're the king. Who's going to tell them no? Who's going to tell them no? Do you hear the humility of Jesus here? He did not count equality with God a thing just to be taken to be grabbed a hold of just because he wanted it. No, instead, he emptied himself. Verse number seven, he was born in the likeness of man. He was fully God, yet fully man. He emptied himself. And when it says he emptied himself, it doesn't mean that he stopped being God. It means that he took the privileges of heaven and he set the privileges of heaven aside. Fully man and fully God. And then you see the crescendo of this song in verse number eight you hear as this song starts to swell and it says that he became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. You see, the power of the gospel is a divine humility, a holy humility of Jesus. We started this whole conversation with a question, how are we supposed to live lives that are humble? What does that look like? But I like how one pastor said this. He said, maybe a better question is, how on earth Can someone possibly be arrogant when standing beside the cross? How could could anyone be arrogant when standing beside the cross? You see, for us, we get a very unique perspective, don't we? We get on one hand, we get the nativity, and we get the picture of that baby in a manger. So much power in this moment with angels announcing his birth. Meek, mild, lowly humble and on the other side we see the cross we see the humiliation of the cross we see the power of the cross we see the redemption of the cross the sins were paid for once and for all we get to see the picture of both side by side and so you want to know how to come to this place of humility there's three words i think jumps out and that's empty serve and obey empty jesus emptied himself we empty ourselves. We follow in his steps. It's not about us. We empty ourselves. We serve. Jesus, it says, didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, you probably heard the saying that 10% of the church does 90% of the work. Y'all have heard that, right? 10% of the church does 90% of the work. Just so you know, that's not true at Woodside Romeo because we count. Like we, so we know, like we literally know. We know how many people serve with kids, how many people serve with students, how many people with next steps, how many people on the worship team. And so that's not true for us. But I was asked a question this weekend. The question was, Billy, what is it that fills your bucket? What is it What is it that just motivates you? And here was my answer. Gospel movement. Man, that, that's the thing. So can you imagine if I went person by person, I went to you, every single person in this room, and I just asked one question How are you using your gifts and your passions to serve the Lord and to make Him known? Can you imagine if the majority of the people in this room had an answer? I, I serve with kids, I serve with students, I make coffee, I serve on the worship team, I, I serve every other week, I go down to the Samaritan house and I serve. There's Samaritans. There's this organization within the community. Yeah, I'm elbow deep in ministry. There. Can you imagine what that would be like? We follow the example of Christ, who served, and finally we obey. So we empty, we serve, and we obey. Jesus didn't come with a rebellious posture, but boy, we sure do, don't we? we want to tell him our thoughts on everything. We want to cross up our arms and we take a posture of pride so often instead of that posture of humility where the answer is yes, Lord. Whatever it is, yes, the answer is yes, Lord. And the good news is that humility humility doesn't have to be so elusive. It is available to all of us as followers of Christ. So I want to end with a question. What was your best Christmas ever? Picture that in your mind. Best Christmas ever. Now, maybe you just pictured the Christmas that you got the car. You know, the dealership helped put the bow on it and the ribbon. You're like, that was cool. You know, like, like a commercial. It was cool. Or some of you, it was like you opened the box and, oh, there's a puppy and he's not potty trained, but that's cool. You know, today is really good and but it was good. Or maybe you're like, oh, none of that it was the tortilla blanket last year. Man, the tortilla blanket was the thing. But what comes to mind is that Christmas that you got the present with a T, right? It was all about the, the box under the tree. And you're like, but it, it was so good. Like, Bill, you should have seen it. Like it was awesome. And you know, I think though, for a lot of you, whenever I say that, tell me about tell me about that best Christmas. You think about something different, don't you? You think about that Christmas with that person. When they were there, and they were there, and they were there, and it was like you were all there. And it was just awesome. And if I said, hey, what'd you get that year? You're like, I don't, I don't know, I don't care. Like, that wasn't even the thing. It's about who I was with. Emmanuel means God with us. Not presence with a T, with a C. A holy and an awesome God coming to this earth to be with us. You've got those cards in front of you to remind you to pray, to remind you that this Christmas is a lot bigger than us. Humility is taking that posture of one who empties ourselves for the sake of others. Why? Because Christ did it first. It's not something that we're just that noble and that good. Christ just gave us the example that we should follow in his steps. That's where we serve others. So as you got all these anxieties about things that are going on this week, maybe the question is like, just how do I I just serve that person? I mean, it's probably hours, maybe days that you're with them. That's where you just say, Lord, will you show me how to serve them? we obey as a calling of the Lord says I want you to go and I want you to make disciples is where you just say Lord here I am send me Father we thank you we praise you for the great things that you've done for this high calling that you placed on our lives Lord I thank you for brothers and sisters who take this challenge seriously to live as Christ to have the mind of Christ because it's not easy Lord, that dying to ourselves isn't easy. So I just pray for courage this week, for boldness to continue to get alone and shut the door and to spend that time with you so you can continue to do that work on our hearts. Lord, continue to show us what it means with the people who live in our home, the people who live next to us, our extended family, our church family. Lord, show us what it is to live a life of humility and in that place to glorify you. Lord, we thank you for the new life we have in Christ. We thank you for the power of the picture of the nativity and the picture of the cross. The Lord overshadowing all that is the empty tomb. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name.